The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As a result, I bought my first uh, business, bought into my first business at the age of 18. I bought my first property when I was 19. Um, I, you know, set myself a goal to buy 10 investment properties um, as quickly as I could. And I, I did that within, um, I think it was seven or eight years. Um, I invest in the stock market every single day. I make sure I check my cash position in my business and I check my shares. I've just really educated myself when it comes to money. And, you know, it's something that I encourage everyone to do, but particularly women. Welcome to the Mentor TV podcast and stay curious with Patricia Falco-Becali. Um, another chapter I loved, it resonates with me a lot. And sometimes I get the feeling I'm the only one out there that embraces money. Okay, not necessarily in a capitalistic way, but one of your chapters is called Money is Not a Dirty Word. I mean, I do underwrite that. Do you want to explain a little bit why you felt the need to put this chapter in and what is really wrong in your in your view with most people or how they think or use money. Yeah, amazing. And again, we could write it. Maybe you and I need to write a book together about that. <laughs> <laughs> we've got so much homework. Um, listen, I, I mean, I, I grew up in, again, a wonderful child. My parents, I'm very, very close with both my parents um, who are still together to this day. And the, the story we were taught about money was that money was bad and that rich people were greedy. And I had to unlearn and rewrite that story for myself because as I grew and I got to meet some amazing, incredible leaders, I saw what money could do for impact. And I saw what money could do. Um, not just from a philanthropic point of view, that's, you know, that's one thing. And as leaders, we should all be contributing to causes and, um, you know, engaging causes that are important to us. Absolutely. But just this, you know, idea of um, money being so inextricably linked to power and, and, you know, how much power can get you a seat in at different tables. Right. So I started to think about this and I also, as a teenager, got really into um, personal development. So I'd read so many books and listen to them. Back in the day, it was cassettes so, of, you know, all these people like Tony Robbins. I mean, Tony Robbins! <laughs> <I know. laughs> and, you know, people like, uh, um, you know, Robert Kiyosaki and Napoleon Hill and all those sort of foundational books and classics. I read them all um, growing up. And, and what I really got is um, this idea of being self-made and that, it, you know, it was possible to build not only financial independence, but build wealth for yourself if you knew a bunch of, you know, techniques and um, tools. So as a result, I bought my first uh, business, bought into my first business at the age of 18. I bought my first property when I was 19. Um, I, 
you know, set myself a goal to buy 10 investment properties um, as quickly as I could. And I, I did that within, um, I think it was seven or eight years. Um, I invest in the stock market every single day. I make sure I check my cash position in my business and I check my shares. I've just really educated myself when it comes to money. And, you know, it's something that I encourage everyone to do, but particularly women. You know, I've always been the sole breadwinner in my family and I've always been the one who um, has been obsessed with educating myself and, and learning more. Um, I'm really, really, really interested in investing in female-led businesses. I believe, you know, a huge step forward is when women can learn how to invest, you know, because we are not offered the same access as men. You know, I, I taught this story last week when I sent an email around to our community. Um, about 10 years ago now, I was at an end-of-year dinner and there were three, six entrepreneurs there, um, three guys and three women on the other side of the table. And I, I started listening to the, the the gentleman's conversation. They were talking about all the business deals they'd put together throughout the, the year, you know, the different startups they'd invested in, the well-established business they'd, they'd uh, invested in, the property and real estate deals they'd done together. And I looked to my two um, girlfriends and I, I said, are you listening? I said, at any point, have these men invited you into any of these investments? Because they were both entrepreneurs. They had means. Yep, they had the capital. They, you know, they, they had the smarts to be able to invest in, in these projects. Yep. And they said, no, never once have they thought to sort of lean over the table and say, hey, hey, do you want to put in whatever, $100,000, a million dollars, whatever the amount is, $10, I don't care. It's it's the, you know, it's the asking. In- yeah, considering that you as a lady at the table would do right. such a thing. Right. So there was never that that invitation. There was never that permission given. So I'm I'm really really interested in this whole idea of how we get women into investing and how we open their eyes. Um, to, again, not only financial independence, which we should all be striving for, but in re- removing the kind of veil and the shame that comes with money and and understanding that it's okay to talk about money and it's okay to want to build wealth for yourself and it is my hope um, and dream that you will then go and do wonderful things and make an impact with that money. But it's also okay if you don't do that. You know, it's also okay. I think for women, the only, when it comes to money, the only way we feel comfortable talking about it is if we're talking about I've raised as much money as I've done this much charity work. You know, it is okay for you to be wealthy and successful. And, and we're not taught that. That's not the story where we're, we're read as children. You know, it's, it's not. So, you know, I, I, I have done a lot of work in this area um, and I've really tried to work hard on my financial acumen as a business owner. I've tried to coach and mentor other business owners to also not stick their head in the sand when it comes to managing their finances and understanding how to read accounting statements and understanding the right questions to ask and understanding how to build financial team around you because it's it, it's not my strength for a lot of women it may be it is not my strength but I have put the people around me who can advise and counsel and I can go to and feel comfortable with and that's worked beautifully for me so yeah. I think you know I think what happens for a lot of women is they it's not my strength therefore I'm scared of it therefore I won't focus on it Therefore, therefore. So, but we all know that what you focus on is what gets results. So you've got to, you know, um, again, it's all the stuff we've been talking about, take action, just little tiny things, you know, help me understand this, help me understand that. Why, why do we do this? Why, why is that? Why have I, why am I paying this amount of tax? And just that never-ending sort of curiosity and and inquisition into what's going on um, will set you up so beautifully. And and 
you know, again, you just got to start somewhere. I did, I was never taught this. I was never taught this. I never knew how to invest in real estate. But then, you know, you, there's there's 35 steps you've got to take to do that. And then, you know, one after the other, and then you suddenly at 17, and then you're at 30, and then you're a property owner or whatever it is, you know. Um, so I think it's just such an important lesson Um yeah, to wrap our heads around, I really do. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the important lesson is you don't have to have already loads of money in order to invest money. I think this is the financial education that even with little and starting early can make long-term a real difference. But you have to, as you were saying, be curious, get into it. Money is not dirty. Finances are important. I mean, I tell my daughter, you know, look after your money so one day your money can look after you. And I drill that into her almost in uteros, you know, she was looking, but it is an important issue. It's nothing to kind of uh, ignore or have the men deal with it or other experts deal with it. You have to know. You have to know every day how much you have, how much are your outgoings, you know, the, lo- the, 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 the blood in any business, but be it the family business, be it a business, I mean, it, be it the family and running it as a business, of course, because you need your finances, all the business. But the cash is really, really important. And you mentioned that earlier uh, on as well. And the starting early, you also talk about in, in one of your chapters. And I think it is so important that people always think, yeah, but you're young. You don't have to worry about these things. No, not this day and age. You have to start thinking about your pension the moment you kind of hit consciousness, or better yet, parents, the financial you that you have to look after yourself and not be dependent because the classical pension is something that we cannot rely on. Yeah, that's right. That's absolutely right. And I think you made a beautiful point there. It's two points. Um, it's not about the money that you earn and it's not about the money you have available to you right now. It's about, um, you know, building that discipline, building the rigor to invest. And, we, you know, we can classify investment as a lot of different things, right? It might just be opening a savings account and building the discipline to put $20 in there a week and then just not touch it, right? And then when it gets to, I don't know, $500, then buy a couple of shares with that. You know, it, whatever form it takes you, it doesn't really matter the form. That What matters is the discipline and the education. That That's what matters. Um, and I know you've read the book. I tell the beautiful story. I won't tell it in, in its fullness now, but my gorgeous grandfather was a wonderful role model for, for me um, in, in terms of wealth creation. He never earned more than a blue-collar worker's, like, a you know, he was always on a very low salary, but he amassed a huge fortune through you know, paying off his first, um, you know, his home, his mortgage and investing in blue chip shares. And he just watched them grow and grow and grow. And it was just simply time in the game. You know, that was all it was. And decades and decades of reinvesting those dividends and, and you know, making the right decisions. And he has amassed, you know, a, a really wonderful fortune. But he started with absolutely nothing and, and never, and, you know, we, we see these partners in law firms and that might get paid $500,000 or whatever a year and have nothing to show of it, you know. So it, it is it is possible. It's not about the amount you earn. It's really what you do with it. It's about building the discipline of what you do with your money. Absolutely, absolutely. And you, you were re- referring to women feeling a little bit coy about um, investing or the money issue. What do you think, being a woman yourself, I mean, to really get talking, <laughs> business chicks. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, do you, yeah. what do you think still to date, women are doing wrong in a business environment? Yeah. I mean, I have my own experiences, but if you had to boil it down, Emma, to a couple yeah. of points where you think this is where women stumble, this is why they still talk about the glass ceiling. Yes. What is it with the women, you think? 
I think as you asked the question, one thing came to mind, I think we still suffer from overanalyzing and overthinking. And when we suffer from overanalyzing and overthinking, it stops us from getting into motion. It stops us from getting into action. So I, I said that a lot, you know, people who, who sit there and, and are not sure and they are and they are and they cannot, um, you know, get past their own thoughts in order to do something. So I think that's a, that's a really big thing. I mean, we don't want to discount it all. We, we, we all know what the problem is with women. It's the same with racism, right? We are all working to a set of systemic infrastructure, if you like, um, that, that has been there forever and will not change much in the next few decades, as, you know, as much as we put our hearts and souls into this work. But we're, this is still what we're working in. We're working in a system that wants to keep us um, powerless um, and that, that's it. So to me, the solution to that seems that we have to take on self-empowerment, right? If the system's not going to empower us, we have to do the work ourselves, you know? And so that's my encouragement to all women out there. But the thing is that's holding most people back is is this idea of over-analyzing, wanting to have this perfect idea before they start something, wanting to have this beautiful plan before they get into action, um, and just the overthinking and the overanalyzing, the questioning, and the, you know, it's just like get out of your head and start something, you know, and it can be that simple. <laughs> it can be. Oh. Let me quickly interrupt the conversation to say thank you that you are here with me on the channel. If you do enjoy what I'm putting out, the in-depth kind of conversations, then why don't you subscribe and also hit the bell button so I can keep you informed with our newest releases. Thanks for that in advance and let's get back to the conversation. Okay, I mean, go listen to Marissa Peer. You are enough because I think that women often suffer from that I'm not enough syndrome. And I see it myself, you know, whatever, even in my, in my career, be it in banks or even as an anchor for CNBC, it was always the women that overprepared, that never felt that they were enough. They, they came in three hours before the show rather than half an hour like the male co-anchors, for example. Yes. And they yes. did, and they, you know, prepared and they researched and they just mm-hmm. gave it 10 times they're all very exhausting and still not necessarily making a difference nor in the paycheck nor in the success. So I think it is so crucial. And this is where we kind of circle back to the title of your book, Emma, winging it, you know, just think it through, then do. Again, a line I tell Victoria, but this is really, you know, think it through, definitely, you know, make a plan, have a look at the consequences of your actions, but then don't circle over and over and over. Just yeah, go for it and do it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think what you say there is so important. I hope that your listeners get really clear on that. And I've seen it as well. You know, just the other day I had to interview two celebrities and there was a male and a female and we were doing a video and I was questioning them. And, you know, I watched how much the, the female prepared and she was there early and she was stressed and, you know, and she wanted to do a great job, which is what we all want to do. And the guy walked in, he was one minute early, like, you know, he was just on time. He walked up to me, he was like, what are we doing? And I'm like, you've done me nothing, right? I mean, it, it fooled me. But, you know, at the end of the day, he saved all that stress, all that anxiety, all that exhaustion. And, you know, and so, so it's an interesting study. Why is it? I mean, a little bit of arrogance there, right? Which is not always a, a bad thing. You know, perhaps we could have a bit more of that. 
but just that, you know, how do we shortcut and how do we back ourselves? How do we teach ourselves the confidence of, this is all the stuff we're talking about, right? Winging it is really about how do we develop this confidence to be able to do things and shortcut our ways so that we're not exhausting ourselves and burning out at every, every single point. So I think that is just so, it's something that's so profound that we can all draw inference and inspiration from, you know, this, this, this thing that we, we do 10 times the amount of work than the guys do and it's just not necessary, right? And they're so mediocre also. It's just not necessary, right? You know, we just got to maybe bring the average down a little bit. I mean, it, is, it is so cool what you say because I also thought, you know, okay, I'm putting all this work in. Somebody yeah. else comes half an hour early and they still do a great job. It's not as if exactly. I'm like, okay, but I still don't stand out. I'm just maybe looking even more stressed than I'm. <laughs> and so definitely definitely no, not the way to go and you know when i was in banking coming back to to women in business and this is the reason why i one of the reasons why i left banking in the sense of you know trading floors um i always felt what was so wrong i always say i'm not a feminist i'm feminine and mm-hmm. i saw so many women competing with men especially in banking or male dominated uh, sectors mm-hmm. trying to compete with them as women men to men and that yeah. is ridiculous frankly i think it is so sad to see women denying their femininity and we have what people call soft skills which are, I think, complementing very much all the skills that the male partner uh, uh, in the business has. And I think it's something to thrive on, develop, add to the equation and be proud of and not all of a sudden become, um, you know, somebody that is more male than the actual male. Right. Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, I think the journey there for all of us women who are striving for more in our own lives and want to develop ourselves into amazing, you know, career people or whatever our aspirations are, is to not try and morph ourselves into the male set of skills and personalities and work styles. It's not even to try and morph into the female. You know, it's it's to compete against ourselves. But compete against the other men, the other woman, is to get better ourselves. So better than yesterday, better than last year almost putting on our blinkers and saying, I know where I'm going and I'm going to be better and I'm going to improve every day and I'm going to practice this art of getting more confident and more skilled and whatever it else is that we're striving for. So I think I think it's a beautiful, beautiful philosophy. Don't compete against the guys. Don't compete against the women. Compete against yourself. Just get better. Just do you. As they say here in America, just do you. Just do you. Just do you. Just be yourself. But a lot of people go like, okay, what is myself? So I prefer just do you. It's really, really good. Um, Emma, we, we are almost running out of time. You're super busy. A couple of more questions. I really, really want to quiz you on. And the other, one thing is, you know, crisis to creation. Tell me about your worst crisis. You have to, you had to overcome uh, your biggest failure and, and where you think, okay, this, this is really, I'm naked with my butt on the floor. It can't go on like that. And how did you really then, you know, develop out of it yeah um a couple come to mind i mean i think we're all living in a crisis right now and you know being tested on so many levels um this year so certainly when the pandemic hit our business was decimated you know we produce around 110 live events each year so these events are huge in scale we get 5,000 women um, and a couple of good men come along to these events um and you know i mean that's our biggest scale event and then we do ones for 500 
200 people and, and um, whole, a whole host of other ones. So when that was taken away from us, we lost about 82% of our revenue in, in that one um, revenue stream. So we had to um, you know, come together as a team and, and try and figure out a plan of how we were going to get through the pandemic and reinvent ourselves. So that was something that... Um, you know, that's, that's the, the closest crisis I can think about. I mean, I think what I tried to do in that situation, I'm still doing every single day, we're still all in it, um, is to try and be calm and know that your people, my people were looking to me for leadership and, and they were looking uh, for me to set the scene and set the tone. And, um, you know, I, I think I did that really well and I was very, very clear with them that I I mean, none of us have lived through a pandemic before, but, you know, I don't know how this is going to pan out. I don't know how long it's going to be. So I think that vulnerability in my admitting to them, I have no clue. We, we don't have answers. We don't know when live events are going to be able to come back on. But here's what we have. Let's work with what we have and let's dial up what is unique about us. And I think we're doing that really, really beautifully. So, again, the calmness, the vulnerability is really important um, and, you know, trying to set the scene and set the tone for your people in, in a crisis. So that's that's one thing. Um, when you ask the question, I think the other thing for me is a, um, a personal one. So you've read the book, so you have heard this story, but my gorgeous uh, eldest child who's now 11 and a very healthy 11-year-old, she was diagnosed with cancer at the age of four. So we um, had to get her through all of her chemotherapy therapy and all her treatments and everything that came with that so it was certainly um, a crisis that turned into you know a, a beautiful creation in a lot of ways you know we recalibrated a lot of things that were important to us my husband and I had to again set the scene and set the tone of how this was going to go and, and remain calm in the face of tremendous uncertainty and, you know, um, be vulnerable with her and say, I've never had to do this before and I don't know what I'm doing, but we're going to get through this as gently as possible and we're going to walk this path together. So, um, you know, she's great now. As I said, she's very, very healthy, but it was a huge lesson in, um, you know, how how we got through it and how we did it gently and, um, you know, ultimately one we're very, very grateful for at the end of the day. Yeah, I think it's one of the hardest steps one one has to, especially as a parent, you know, face if if your child gets potentially fatally sick is I, I cannot imagine it, and and you know the way you described it, and you know this the, of course the emotional stress that it puts not only on the family but especially also on the couple to to pull through, and and some couples break and others just go stronger and have other five kids. <laughs> <laughs> The crazy lines. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love it. And your chapter, I don't want to go into it, actually says, don't call me superwoman, but I call you superwoman because <laughs> you, you live the cows in your home as you describe it yourself and you enjoy it. Last question, Emma. Um, I know we've been talking about all your key insights, but if you really had to, to drill it down to three key insights for mm. our TV community, yeah. what would you say that winging it really should hit home, if nothing else, when they take your book and read it? That's beautiful. I think the one thing I'd say, and it's how I've been able to build my businesses and, um, you know, create some success for myself is to focus on our relationships. You know, I think networking gets a very bad rap, but we should always be focused on our relationships. We should be giving more than we're receiving. We should be doing favours for other people because, um, you know, Dr. Lois Frankel says this, when it's when you need a relationship, it's too late to build one. So we must focus on our relationships. Um, I think we, we need to highlight as a the second one is, is understanding finances, really getting clear on your own money story personally, really getting clear on... Um, 
business can be simple and you you alluded to this before yourself you know you have to make more money than you spend and it's we complicate the process but you have to know how your business actually makes money you have to pull those levers to be able to make money and i think the third um piece or the concept which we've talked about so much today and i'm grateful for the opportunity but it's really about knowing that action is the cure for everything you know and it's not to say that you want to go on and build a multinational multi-billion or million dollar business it's not that at all action can mean writing the first sentence in that novel that you've wanted to always write it can be picking up the phone to heal a relationship with a sibling or a parent. It can be, you know, putting on your running shoes or your sneakers and taking that first step around the block. You know, we, we just forget that we have available to us many, many, many small actions that can get us on the way to wherever we want to go. So I think the action piece would be the third thing that I'd say. Beautiful. Emma, thank you so much. Believe me, I could talk to you for another two hours and I wish we had out of this conversation. Thank you so much for being with us on Mentory TV. I am only a baby with my initiative, which started during the lockdown. So I'm truly honored to have you join. I think it's fantastic what you do with business chicks. And I really hope that you really create out of this crisis an even stronger network. I mean, I think you have about half a million now of, of um, members right now and I really love the book the book on leadership definitely <laughs> the financial mentoring going. but in any case thank you so much for being with us here oh it's an absolute pleasure thanks for having me and thank you dear mentor tv community I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Emma Isaacs I certainly did and well I can only say stay tuned because lots more to come bye Victoria Moran. Since we launched the Main Street Vegan podcast back in 2012, lots more people have discovered the way that moving in a vegan direction can infuse our lives with vitality, spirituality, and compassion. My guests are experts on every aspect of making this work in your real life and our real world. Join us for Main Street Vegan here on mindbodyspirit.fm.